Hi, I'm Greg. I'm Betsy. And this is Going On 30, a Popping Colors side project where we dive deep. Stop it. You get it? So deep. Where we dive deep into movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago. That's right. Betsy and I have put some wild card movies into the mix that we think should be considered along with the actual nominated movies. Betsy, is this just a cheap way to balance out the accidental tourists of the world? Uh, I certainly hope so, Greg. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have to not watch it, but it means at least I get some better stuff to go along with it. We are kicking it off with one of my picks for what should have been nominated for Best Picture. And I concur with this pick. Yeah. James Cameron's The Abyss. It began two years ago in an unfinished nuclear power plant. It became one of the most challenging motion pictures ever made. And on August 9th, the most original adventure of the summer will begin at theaters everywhere. From James Cameron, the writer and director of The Terminator and Aliens, comes The Abyss. see what we want to see. Coffee looks and he sees hate and fear. You have to look with better eyes than that. He's coming up fast. I need to know if you're okay. You can't leave me here alone. A brief description of the abyss. Yes. A civilian oil rig crew is recruited to conduct a search and rescue effort when a nuclear submarine mysteriously sinks. One diver, played by Ed Harris, soon finds himself on a spectacular odyssey 25,000 feet below the ocean surface where he confronts a mysterious force. I think this was my first James Cameron movie that like I watched in the theater. Oh, yeah, Terminator yeah. would have been too Terminator yeah. and Aliens would have been too violent probably. It would have been too vi- my parents weren't my parents weren't into that. They weren't taking mm-hmm. me to that. Absolutely not. Mhm. Star Wars, yes, when you can't find a babysitter. And that's right. how that becomes your kid's first movie. But <laughs> this I think would have been like I want to go see this movie like with my friends. Right. This might have been my first James Cameron. I came to this movie late. I came to this movie like in college. So this would have been definitely after T2, which probably would have been my first Cameron experience. It was like Terminator 2. 
And this was kind of seen as like a marker. So this is like, I came to it after Jurassic Park and all of that stuff. So to look at it now, it it looks kind of quaint, but I could see it being mind blowing. Yes. I remember for Jurassic Park, it was really the sound. Mm -hmm. That was really the surround sound. I remember the sound being so important and the, and the effects too, but yeah, it was, it was a little tough. I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, revisiting the effects in this movie. Totally. General thoughts on this movie. What are what are your initial hot takes about this movie? Hot takes. This movie definitely hits in my wheelhouse of a bunch of people going up against something that feels really impossible and mm-hmm. are in a dire situation together. It is mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I still like the movie Twister. Just gonna make it <laughs> because it's a bunch of people, and you kind of then fall into the the stereotypes and the tropes that come right. with the group of people. So you've got the big teddy bear of a kind of guy. You've mm-hmm. got the 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 really strong female characters. You've also got the woman who's hard edged and doesn't hold back. You've got right. the um, the kind of skinny geeky weird guy with the rat you know like i mean like there's there's a there's a formula we can lay down on top of group movies when you've got a team of who are the people that you're going to find on that team because also typically in a cameron movie people gonna die and so you need to care about these people as we're heading towards them dying and at least be able to differentiate them and feel bad when the teddy bear guy you know, might get really hurt or he's dead. Totally. It's like that sort of thing. So I, I, I like that as kind of a, I realize this is one of those movies that solidified some of that for me. This feels of a piece with a lot of Cameron's stuff that he's done before. And it also feels like it's an outlier a little bit. And the part that feels like an outlier is that it has a really slow build. It's almost like the, you know, you have that initial sort of action scene of the sub sinking but then it takes a long time, and there are action pieces kind of strewn throughout this thing, but it kind of takes a long time to build to them. And in that slow build, it's almost like he's building tension, building tension, building tension, and then he releases it in an action sequence, and then he starts over again and starts to build the tension again. But I was kind of amazed that it doesn't just go from one action piece to another to another to another like you would kind of think it's almost more like Titanic than it is like his action movies in that it's Mm -hmm. slow build. And then this amazing kind of thing happens and then it kind of slow builds to something else. I liked the way that silence was used in this movie. That was one of my notes was like when it would go silent, like the ocean felt like space. Uh, And so therefore it felt really isolated and dangerous. I I really like the way that, he that the water was kind of this kind of overarching thing that it was like death was right outside just ready to take you at any moment and so the way that the water was used it was like this you know it was like human beings sort of playing in this dangerous playground that could just kill them in an instant and that we're dealing with characters that have so much faith and knowledge of the vessel that they are in yeah. That they have been able to suspend that fear. So it's not as much a part of their daily life until, of course, a trauma happens and you introduce mm-hmm. strangers and outsiders. I mean, still, that scene, when I think of bad dudes 
losing their stuff. Mm-hmm. It is that scene in whatever bay that is with coffee sitting there and just pulling that chain, pulling that mm. chain, ting, 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 right. and just having that echo off the metal and off the water. And the how do you get out of water and be so quiet? How do you do that? Yeah, that the, he plays with with sound and and all of that very interesting in a very interesting way while also having a score that needs to be dramatic but also really playful because of the alien quality of the movie so it's 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 kind of all over the place it hits every emotion i mean there are moments oh, where totally. like, feels a little bit like a kids movie feels a little bit like the terminator movie feels a little so it moves all over the place but yeah that use of just sound or yeah. lack thereof I think what I came up with was that the abyss, whatever that is, like if that's the the ocean itself or, you know, this gap down to the unknown, it's almost actually more like the humans are the aliens going into this thing that they're not supposed to be in, mm-hmm. you know, which is the ocean depths. They're not supposed to – you can't survive down there, right? Like there's this whole – they have to use like the most advanced technology that they can come up with just in that order to survive. That isn't even real. That's even not real. even real. Totally creative. And so I movie. have this note where I, where I wrote the abyss equals death. And it's like human beings are pushing the limits and going into places where they're not supposed to be. Now knowing James Cameron's interests and thought patterns, all of that makes complete sense, right? If you talk about Avatar, talk Mm -hmm. about human beings going into places where they're not supposed to be, and his own interests with the ocean itself and the seafloor and and Titanic and and trenches and just exploring all of that and going deep and getting deeper and getting to places where people haven't been. There's a real discoverer kind of idea about him that mm-hmm. he enjoys. This is this is right up his alley. Now knowing that, it makes complete sense that this would be his movie. Yeah, I mean, he plays with the same stuff in Titanic too, yep. where it's like you journeyed to a place where you weren't supposed to be. And now your reward is death. It's like hubris. It's something yeah. about the hubris that happens in his movies. Right. It's the Icarus story. You yes. flew too close to the sun. Best scene from the movie? Oh, Mine's the drowning scene. 100%. I, I experienced that scene so differently this time. It didn't. I mean, I remember it. But like my chest started tightening while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. In a way that I don't remember having a real physical reaction to it before. And maybe that's having a little more life in the rear view. I don't know. It was really one of the more powerful scenes in the movie. I agree with you. We got to get you out of here. How? I don't know how. All right, we've only got one suit. I know, I know, but we've got to come oh up with Oh, my God, I'm breathing. <laughs> You're smart. Think of something. Can't you think okay. of something? Think of something. Okay, why don't you swing back to the rig and bring back another suit? You want to take me that seven, eight minutes to swim, get the gear, come back. I wouldn't make it. Look at this. By the time I got back, you'd be... Just listen to me for one second. Now, you've got the suit on, and you're a much better swimmer than I am, right? Yeah, maybe. Right? Just yes. Go. So I've got a plan. What's the plan? I drowned, and you tow me back to the rig. No. No. Yes, this water. No. We're a couple of degrees above freezing. Like, going to deep hypothermia. My blood will go like ice water. Right? My body systems will slow down. They won't stop. Thanks. You told me back, and I, I can be revived after 
Maybe get another 15 minutes. Lynch, put this on. Minutes. You put no, it on. That's the only way. You just put this on. Put this on. You know I'm right. Please. It's the only way you've got all the stuff on the rig to do this. Put this on. But please. This is insane. <laughs> There's no good choice. So this is the best of just a, a huge list of bad options. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, there's something about the scientific mind that's being said, you know, where it's like, okay, let me run through a list of options in my head. Okay, I have to drown. All right, that's our option. Let's do it. You know, it's yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> and then even with um, that, it was the moment when he descends under the water and then he is, he can't hear her anymore. Right. It's that and then then she is I think she's masterful. Just yeah. I don't know whether all of that was dialogued, scripted, whether they just said improvise, what would she do? And Master Antonio does this great job where it's also like she knows what the answer is, she says it, but she's still really scared, you know, and to sort of play it that way where it's like, Okay, I'm gonna have to drown. I don't want to drown. Like that's, drown. Not, that's not what I want to do. It's just really good. What's the best okay. performance in the movie for you? Is this so I could say that Little Geek is the best performance in the movie? Okay. This did this? Yeah. <laughs> and animate <and> objects. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. He was just so good. Well, who's your favorite performance? Uh, so I really love Master Antonio in that. Can in I that just one say scene. Mary Elizabeth? Mary Elizabeth Master. Um, just that I, name. I, the name yeah, feels Mary Elizabeth like eighties. She's gonna kick ass. Like that is the, when you hear that she's in a movie. Typically, like Gene Hackman's over there, and it's like her and Gene Hackman. Something's gonna happen. Like mm-hmm. I love that. I love her name. Just love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Love her curls. She's great. Uh, I love her in that movie. It's almost it's she has like an Andy McDowell feel, but like yeah. more of an edge. You know? Yeah. It's Ed Harris for me. But you don't have to do this. Somebody's got to do it. It doesn't have to be you. Who then? So I, I can hear you, but I can't talk, right? The fluid prevents the larynx from making sound. Excuse me. It'll feel a little strange. Yeah. Uh, I got to warn you all. I'm a pretty lousy typist. <laughs> Moment of truth. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Easy. Okay. I need it in the front a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. you. Got it. Set. Set. Clamp. Set. Relax now, bud. Just relax. Bud. 
Relax now, bud. Watch me. Relax. Okay, watch me. Watch okay. me. Okay. Doing fine. Now, don't hold your breath. Take it in. Just let yourself take it in. Take it in. That's it. Oh, man. Don't hold your breath now. Take it in. There you go. Don't hold your breath. Take it in. That's it. There you go. What? Second. It's perfectly normal. This is normal. perfectly normal. We all breathe liquid for nine months, bud. Your body will remember. That's it. That's it. Perfectly normal. Oh my Christ, he's breathing. There is an Ed Harris role, and it's a gruff kind of like militaristic manly man kind of thing. But he also the same thing with Gene Hackman. He has this real natural air to him that just is compelling. Like it really pulls you in. It's funny to think that he doesn't really have a lot going on at this point in his career. So you mentioned the right stuff. Absolutely. He was the voice in Field of Dreams, uh, which we'll talk about later uh, this year because it was nominated for an Oscar. But this is kind of like the big thing before he gets to like all the Ed Harris stuff that you yes. think of, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. like The Rock and, you know, all the sort of Ed Harris stuff that you know, it all comes after this movie. Super attractive. Mm-hmm. Real plays everything with a ton of heart in it. You know, real. I mean, there are some times where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, this is a little cliche with him and not believing her and no, no, no. Oh, their relationship, it's so contentious and blah blah blah. But like like that even that moment where he, he takes his wedding ring off, throws it into the, you know, chemical toilet or whatever. Right. And then just kind of takes that moment and then like goes back for it. Right. Uh you know, that it has it has a little cheese factor to it, but I really appreciate it. And also the physicality of this role too. Mm-hmm. And he's you know, he's not the tallest guy either. You know, like he really you would not. You would look at Ed Harris and not be like, "Ah, oh, there is, there's a superstar." Right. He is all of his abilities on one hundred. Like he just does it, and it's yeah. good. He's so good. Yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking the whole movie. He's just so good. Okay, stats about the movie. Opened on August eleventh, nineteen eighty nine. Summer. Summerish. Yeah. Summer. Summer movie. Is that a dump? I mean, you know, but Cameron's, I don't know. I mean, it would be a tough sell. Like, it's not really, I mean, it's a slow movie, like we talked about. A domestic gross of $54 million, making it the number 24 grossing movie of 1989. It is the number 1,581st top grossing movie of all time between The Woman in Black and the remake of Evil Dead from 2013. Oh, I know. That feels weird. Should be higher. Feels like I don't know. It feels like weird company. Uh, It has an eighty-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's really good. Very good. Uh, Roger Ebert actually doesn't have a write-up of this movie, but he does have a clip online. Um, You know, one of those little like uh, you know critic reviews that you would run on like local news or something like that. Uh, in that, he says, uh, this movie is really a superior adventure film. It's a good movie on the action level and on the human level. And he gives it three and a half out of four stars. Yeah, because this has some schmaltz in it. Like, this is up 
up some Roger Ebert alley, I think. Yeah. 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 I could, I could see him actually movie. going there, either way on it. There were definitely yeah. some movies moments that were high cheese. Yeah. High cheese. The the cheese the Velveeta was thick. <laughs> but I appreciated it because I was buying what it was selling. Yeah. Yeah. There is unfortunately no Pauline Kale review of this movie. Oh man. How did it do at the Oscars? It won an Oscar. Betsy? What did it win? Um, at the 1990 Oscars. Did it win? It was nominated for four. It won one. Special effects editing? Yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. Uh, best visual effects. Best visual effects. Mm-hmm. Was this before they divided those? I think it's before they okay. divided. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. That was that was a nerd moment that I didn't <laughs> One. The winner for okay. Best Visual Effects. It was nominated for Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, and Best Sound. What was it up against for Best Visual Effects? All right, here we go. Oh, The Abyss. Okay. Back to the Future Part 2. Oh, okay. Adventures of Baron von Munchausen. <laughs> or Baron with, our, Munchausen. with our good friend Uma Thurman, right? I know. Yeah, I would. I think that's they should win that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm so. gonna go with them. <laughs> I think so. actually a good segue to the legacy of this film which is one of the reasons why i picked it which is visual effects in the 30 years since this movie has come along visual effects have become a bigger and bigger piece of storytelling i'm thinking for instance of like the whole marvel enterprise is built around we can create the story out of the visual effects So if I want a 10-foot-tall Josh Brolin to invade Earth, that can be my story now because I can make that happen sort of visually. Cameron still knows that he has to make a movie about human beings, but he wants – he has this image of what 
these aliens or whatever they are at the bottom of the ocean can do. And now he kind of has the tools to be able to create that a little bit, but not all the way. Right. Mm. So it's this kind of mishmash of like, what did I call it? I call it, it's like spectacle, but it's still a human story. It's just like a combination of those two things. It's definitely trying to make a pretty heavy handed point about what's going on with humanity, where we're headed, uh, that the whole cold war issue, you know, all of that, you know, it's really trying to be, you know, can't we all just get along and mm-hmm. love each other and look, here's an alien city rising from under the water to show us how to do that. And Chris Elliott is amazed. <laughs> how much did you enjoy Chris Elliott in this movie? I love Chris Elliott. Whenever Chris Elliott shows up, I'm instantly a fan. He's trying to make these wider points, you know, and, and then with some Me Too lenses on here, there are definitely some things that do not hold up in this movie. Mm. Um, if I had to hear somebody say, keep your pantyhose on over time, I'm like, oh, man. Okay. But I think he's trying There's... to say with an action movie, I can make wider points, societal points. Right. While also using aliens and special effects. So that's where I feel the close encounters part of this movie most intensely he does have like this military thing too like i'm thinking of aliens avatar he has this real kind of like reverence for but suspicion of military yes. stuff uh that he kind of works through well and even um, this is this is filmed at an abandoned nuclear facility yeah and in south carolina an which is nuclear. kind yeah. of also you overlay that in, and that's super eerie as well. Whenever I think of a visual effects film, I think, oh, it's going to be a blockbuster, but it's not going to be a good movie. At the end of the day, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is not going to be as good of a movie as Parasite or Little Women. One of these is actually a movie about human beings, and one of these is just a big spectacle of stuff. Avengers Endgame, same thing, right? But here, I feel like Cameron got the closest between making a blockbuster and also making something that has artistic merit. You know, it's like this fusion of the two. And it makes me it makes me wonder, like, can a big movie, can a big movie actually have depth to it? Like, can you make like a cinematic big movie? I don't know. Jaws, maybe? Maybe Jaws? I mean, I is the thing that it just is, it sounds like what we're saying is you need Richard Dreyfus in your movie. Because that, <laughs> that seems to be these, the big movies that we're kind of talking about that have this kind of interesting heart. But maybe it's also having, you know, unlikely leading people in them. It isn't these, you know, buff action hero types. It's just a different vibe. You cast yeah. differently. And then you get even with a similar story, you get something different in return with powerful acting. Do you think in 1989-90, if they had had 10 slots? The only thing that I would say maybe is that it's a Cameron movie and Avatar won. And Avatar was a big movie. Mm-hmm. Also, like it's not that the Academy won't nominate things like this because all three Lord of the Rings movies were nominated. I don't think it's... I wonder, though, whether it's it's really trying to make that bigger global point. 
might have hit the schmaltz button for mm. the academy you know because you can almost like hear like michael jackson's heal the world make mm-hmm. it a better place like playing over the end of this movie i wonder whether that might have said well, that's the, this movie has it all great mm-hmm. acting performances special effects action adventure and it has this wider you know message for the globe well i think i think i came out of the abyss with a with a sense of my own limitations and a sense of of the limitations that you could reasonably expect other people to to push themselves to in the making of a film and i think we you know we i may have lost a little perspective on that movie and and pushed beyond what it what it should be but you know that's the nature of filmmaking when you're out in the you know when you're out in the woods trying to make a uh, you know a, a chainsaw murderer movie you're out in the woods you have to do a shot of some kind you have to do something so in that in that case we were you know in a filming tank and we had to make our schedule we had to do the things we set out to do now maybe the the conception of going into a giant filming tank and doing all this stuff and putting actors in helmets was a dumb idea it seemed cool at the time you know i think when we had to actually live it out and make it make it work make it happen it was a lot more difficult than we thought it was going to be because you know my, my biggest problem is that my i can i can sort of make the cognitive leap to what the end picture will look like and it and it you know it always is a glorious picture it's the steps to get there you know that sometimes are pretty grueling but you know that's where experience comes in you know i've been at this for a while now so i have a better idea of what it takes to get to the end result um we've we've talked about cameron a lot because i think that you know he's just this giant kind of force it would be difficult to talk about you know, I'm, I think about this with like Spielberg movies too. It's hard to talk about the movie without talking about the craftsman because he's just such a huge presence. But what's your take on Cameron? I have to admire his passion and that he ha- is ambitious. I just imagine him being difficult to work for mm-hmm. because he demands a lot. And I, I don't know whether that also means he's unreasonable. There's some there's some things about his kind of white saviorness that is also troubling for me. Yeah, that's true. Like, there's no such thing as a small James Cameron movie. No, but it's almost like a little he's art a, house, little art house indie. Right, James Cameron. Piece. There's no indie. Like, this is not in his bones. But he's not Michael Bay either. You know, like he's got there's substance behind his stuff. I wonder. I wonder if that's why his projects are so sort of few and far between. Like he doesn't just do movies willy nilly. Like he's not just going to put stuff out. Although it seems like he's going to put out about five Avatar movies here over the next two years or something. Which right. Will be interesting. I think of him as a spectacle filmmaker, but a substantive filmmaker at the same time. And I think that that's hard to do. I think a complicated legacy for Cameron, but I always find his stuff really interesting to watch. There's a ton of religious imagery in this. There's tons of baptismal imagery, especially the liquid oxygen scene and that idea of like, just, just breathe. This is natural. You know, that whole, which is also a really compelling scene. I agree. Um, Cause it's also this return. They make that comment of, you know, you did this for nine months of your life. Mm hmm. That sort of going back to the beginning, yeah. back to creation, back to your origin story. Mm-hmm. So it is the contrast, though, between a story that is super complex and scientific and mm-hmm. a lot going on with a with an ending that does feel very simple. Yeah. As simple as 
an alien civilization rising out of the ocean is, which is, and then, you know, I, I, I highlighted in my notes, you know, just in time for Valentine's day, it's the abyss. Let's all love each other and <laughs> big hugs. And, you know, we, we should have died. We should have decompression illness. We should all be like, whatever, but it's, yeah. The ending. Is and then there's that. Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott's yeah. there. The ending feels like a test grouped ending. We need something that's going to make people go home happy. Here it is. Yeah. What's your rating for this movie out of five? It holds such an important place for me. I don't know whether my rating will actually reflect it because it's also nostalgic for me. I feel like I'm going to give it 3.75. Wow. I'm bringing out the 0.75 already. That's really complicated. How many decimal places can we go? (laughs) 3.75. Uh, I'm right there with you. Probably a little bit more. I'm I'm four out of five mm-hmm. uh, for this movie. My notes are the pacing is slow, but it builds to some really incredible moments. The use of water as a source of danger and exploration is really ambitious. Mm. It's let down by its ending. Yes. Those are, those are my notes for the four out of yes. five. Yes. My favorite quote is from... Lindsay, when she says, you have to look with better eyes than that. Yeah. You know, when all we want to do is see fear and every tree is a monster. Mm -hmm. And that I feel is, this is not just a Cold War movie. Right. It has so much to say right now that this is a human story of how we struggle to believe in the good that can actually be out there mm-hmm. or is everything Russian nukes? Yeah. So totally. why did you pick this movie? Right. Cause we're still in this Oscar time for season two, right. Where it's only five mm-hmm. movies. Right. This did not get nominated. This right? was this not a part of our Facebook. pool that we're adding in almost mm-hmm. like faking were the Academy growing to like a good 10 million movies being nominated. But why did you, why did you want to add this one? Uh, this one was, like I said before, it was a legacy pick for me in the sense that you can clearly trace a line from this movie through Terminator 2 to all of the sort of CGI spectacle movies that we have today. Like, this is the germ of a lot of that stuff. And so, therefore, like, out, like, looking back at this movie... It was like, oh, that was actually a really important marker along the way. And so I think if the Academy had it to do over again, they would have probably sort of put a pin in this movie to mark it as something important kind of going forward. So a lot of it for me was a legacy pick. But I also think that there is a place in the best picture category for big movies. And I think that sometimes they just go unnoticed because there's a specific kind of movie that gets nominated for an Oscar. Um, I think the same thing goes for like horror movies. I think that, you know, horror movies aren't going to be nominated. Get Out was the closest the Academy's ever going to get to nominating a horror movie. I, I just think that a lot of times the Academy will cut off certain avenues and just say that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about a best picture but i think that there are genuinely good movies there are also genuinely big 
sorry, spectacle movies. And so I think that there's a spot for something like an abyss on this list. I think who framed Roger rabbit, I would have put on the list last year for the same reason. There's a place for like big, big idea movies like that. Certainly the acting in this is top notch. I think the craftsmanship is really compelling. It's just a hard movie to shoot. And so therefore should probably be recognized. I think. Where does this rank in our 1990 movies? It's the only movie we've talked about, so it's, it's number, number one, one right now. Number one right now. We'll see what might, can knock it off. Might be the only time it's been number one in anything. <laughs> It'll live there until our next episode. <laughs> It'll live there until next month when we look at our next movie, Born on the Fourth of July. Our good friend Tom Cruise is back, Betsy. Oh God, save me, Greg. <laughs> It just, oh, Lord. I remember, I, okay, so here we go. I've watched this movie, I think, one time. I listened to the soundtrack a million times. Let Look me guess it. what is on the soundtrack. Buffalo, Springfield, there's something happening here. Mm-hmm. I blissed Cl- Creedence Clearwater Revival, uh, Fortunate Son. Hold on. You're getting confused with Forrest Gump. <laughs> need to settle down. You, you kind of draw those two apart. Thank you for diving into the abyss. I mean, you couldn't me. come up with a different cliche for the closing? Okay. Thank you for drilling down into the abyss. Oh, thank you. That's much better. Because <laughs> we've missed a whole bunch of oil rig cliches we could have been using. <laughs> we got to save those for Armageddon.